Hello and welcome back to Ending Explained, a film review podcast that usually takes a deep dive into those tricky and intriguing open endings. But today is a special episode. We are switching it up a bit. Instead of dissecting the ending and overall messages and themes of one movie, I am going to be discussing my top 20 movies of this year, 2022. A lot of twos in that sentence. In my opinion, this has been an excellent year for movies. I have had such a great time going to the theater and also watching stuff from home. So let's dive into it. So my top 20 movies that I saw that came out in 2020. I've been seeing a lot of these lists go around and I love how much they vary between person to person. I love it that different movies touch different people more than others. I think that's great. But here are mine. And some of these will definitely sound familiar to listeners of the pod because a lot of them made an appearance on prior episodes, including... Well, no, I'm not going to start with number one. I'm going to, I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to build up the suspense. (laughs) Okay, so I'll start with number 20. My Policeman. I know some people are groaning. And am I biased? 100% because Harry Styles, I just... I will always watch whatever he's in, and I'm not even ashamed about it. And past Harry Styles, I thought that this movie was better than than most people rated it as. All right. Number 19, Babylon by Damien Chazelle. I, (laughs) this may change in the rating for me, not that I'm going to re-rate any of these, but because I saw this movie so recently, I still don't know exactly how to feel about it. I loved it, but really didn't love it. At the same time, I thought it was amazing. And then also, on the other hand, I thought that it was very just presumptuous and... My top 20 movies that came out in 2022, starting from number 20. At the very end of the list, we have My Policeman, which I will forever, forever support. I know a lot of people were not huge fans. Some thought that it was too one-dimensional. I thought it was great. I will watch anything that Harry Styles is in. Do I think he's an incredible actor? Mm, Nah. Do I think he's a horrible actor? No. Do I like to uh, look at him and hear him? Yes. Sorry, uh, Jeff, husband, but you already know this. <laughs> and I really just appreciate uh, more LGBTQ stories being told. Number 19, Babylon. This may kind of change in its ranking in my mind. Not that I'm going to go through and like re-rank these officially or anything like that. But because Babylon was one of the latest movies that I've seen, and because it is so much to process, I am definitely still processing it. 
I just, I still don't know how to feel about Babylon, but I do feel confident in saying that it it belongs in the top 20. Whether I'll change my mind later and think that it deserves to be up higher in the ranking, time will tell. But for right now, I feel just the enormous production on its own deserves to be in the top 20. When it comes to the movie as a whole, I'm still iffy about. I Some of it just seemed a little... It was a little much, and sometimes it was a little too much, if you know what I mean. And it was a little... Uh, kind of have your cake and eat it too, even though... I hate that saying, I don't think it makes any sense, but criticizing something and showing it for how horrible something is, but then at the same time also just saying, but we love it, and just in an unsatisfying way. Anyways, uh, next we've got, at number 18, Bros. Oh boy, I... I regret not going to the theaters to see this solely on the basis that I wish I would have voted with my money, so to speak, by um, driving ticket sales higher for this, because I know that it was kind of a box office flop. But Bros is a romantic comedy that is now streaming, I think, on Peacock? I'm not sure. I just know that I watched it streaming after seeing it on the list of movies in the movie theaters for several weeks, and I kept almost going to it, and then I would see a different movie instead. But this movie is hilarious, guys. Oh boy. Oh boy, it is so hilarious. Billy Eichner. (laughs) My husband and I watched this together, and he was a little hesitant, because he's not into rom-coms like a typical man. But... We were both cracking up so, so hard. So highly recommend Bros, but also highly recommend to either watch alone or with someone that you are very comfortable with watching very explicit sex scenes with. (laughs) All right, moving along. Number 17, The Phantom of the Open. This was a little uh, less well-known movie, but basically... It's just kind of this really quirky, sweet, heartfelt movie about this old man who's a dreamer and an optimist, and he has no talent whatsoever at golf, but somehow he manages to keep gaining entry to the British Open Golf Championship over and over again. And just, it's it's such a wacky movie, but I loved it so much. It was just so heartwarming. All right, next, at number 16, we've got Bones and All. This is another one that I feel kind of similarly to Babylon, where even though I saw it uh, more a while ago. Oh my gosh, I can't talk today. Good thing I have a podcast. (laughs) Anyways, Bones and All. Maybe on a rewatch I will like it more. I still like it enough for it to be at the back end of my top 20 of the year. It definitely is a movie that has a lot to say. And maybe it's trying to say too much. I think it's one of those movies that could have done with a little bit more simplicity in themes. But also, on the other hand, it's a great movie for people to take what they will from it. And a lot of different themes and metaphors can kind of fit in for one's own choosing. 
But anyways, this movie is kind of a, oh my gosh, so many, so many genres. It's, it's a monster (laughs) movie, specifically cannibalism. It's also young romance. It's also a travel movie. It's also drama. It's also a bit of a comedy. It's, it's a lot. And it's kind of this oddball boy meets girl, but they are also both uh, cannibals, but in a nice way. <laughs> you have to you have to see it to understand it. Um, it kind of reminded me of a much more artsy Twilight. I know people who are huge fans of Bones and All may hate that I'm saying that. It's definitely more highbrow intelligent. Uh, kind of fantasy where you you get behind these characters even though they're literally killing people. But, I mean, it's Timothy Chalamet, so he's incredible. Alright, moving along to number 15. Coming in at number 15 is the movie She Said, directed by Maria Schrader. As a former journalist and as a forever feminist, I had to love this movie, and it did not disappoint. I was looking so much, I was looking forward so much to this movie, which is basically a Me Too investigative reporter movie similar to Spotlight, the movie that was about investigative journalism, about the um, child sex abuse that happened with the Catholic priests. This is definitely a movie that doesn't have a lot of frills, And I think that that was a wise directing decision. It was very straightforward and to the point, but also developed characters so that it still felt more like a narrative story rather than just like a straight up acted out documentary, if that makes sense. Um, Carrie Mulligan just absolutely slayed in this and it made me want to just go back on my decision to go to law school and quit the world of journalism and just try to be an investigative reporter, even though that job doesn't really exist anymore because no newspaper can afford to pay a journalist to be an investigative reporter. (laughs) Um, But loved it. I loved how they handled the subject matter around Harvey Weinstein and never really showed his face, if that makes sense. It was very respectful to the victims of the Me Too movement. Or not of the of the Me You're not a victim of the Me Too movement. The victims involved that came out in the Me Too movement, the victims of sexual assault and abuse. I thought that it handled their stories really well and really centered their experiences and their stories as the primary focus of the movie. Highly recommend it. That's another one that I was really sad to see not do super well in the movie theaters with box office um, money. All right, number 14, The Fablemans. So this is Steven Spielberg's semi-autobiographical movie. Not quite sure exactly how much of it is true to his own life story and how much of it is fictionalized, but it's basically Steven Spielberg's own coming-of-age story when his family is experiencing quite a bit of drama and his uh, he's experiencing some anti-Semitism while he's growing up, 
and all the while he is finding his love for movies. I honestly didn't go into this movie feeling too excited. I knew it had gotten some Oscar buzz already, and of course Steven Spielberg is amazing, but let's be honest, the man is capable of making flops, and this kind of just sounded like a narcissistic project, to be honest. Like, let's make a movie about myself loving making movies. So I went in with low expectations and came out very happily surprised. I thought it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was meaningful. I didn't feel like it was too um, self-praising, if that makes any sense. It's more a movie that praises parents and movie-making magic than it does praising Spielberg himself, if that makes any sense. All right, number 13, Pinocchio, not Robert Zemeckis' Disney remake. Guillermo Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Holy cow. I am so glad that I actually sat down and decided to watch this without any distractions. I'd heard so many great things about it. The trailers looked amazing. I was a bit hesitant because it's like, oh my goodness, another Pinocchio movie. Can we just stop with the Pinocchio movies? But, oh, it is brilliant. If you have not seen it, please sit down and watch it. It is just The beginning will make you cry, and the end will make you cry. My husband and I watched it together, and every few moments we just looked at each other and went, wow, this movie is incredible. It's visually incredible. The storyline, the way that they took the very original story of Pinocchio and translated it to film, it's one of those movies that just really captures the essence of how incredible and important storytelling is to humanity. (laughs) Okay, coming in at number 12, Black Phone. I think this is the first... Yeah, this is the first one I've brought up so far that I've already done a podcast episode on. So if you're more interested in an in-depth analysis and summary of Black Phone, go back to one of my previous episodes. I thought that this horror film was outstanding. It was like the perfect amount of fun without trying to be too intelligent. Don't get me wrong, I like, I really like highbrow horror movies that are trying to say intelligent things when when that works out. A lot of times filmmakers try to do that and fail. This, this movie had some things to say, but it wasn't going for like a hoity-toity highbrow uh, horror feel. It would just, it was plain fun and still had some depth to it, if that makes sense. It definitely felt like sort of an It movie, which makes sense because the movie is based off of a short story written by Stephen King's son, who kind of has the same sort of story writing techniques as as his father. Love it so much. It's streaming right now on Peacock, so would highly recommend. All right, number 11. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Oh boy. (laughs) In my opinion, this is a very underrated movie of 2020. So if you haven't heard about this movie, it's basically a whodunit, but in a way that makes fun of 
millennials and younger generations in a very, very hilarious way. It's The humor's definitely not for everybody. But it's this big group of friends who are mostly in their 20s, I would guess. They're in this mansion. A hurricane happens. A party game goes awry. And they end up with a dead body and then another dead body. And they're trying to figure out who is the killer. And it's all just... It's very, very comical. I would suggest watching the trailer, seeing if that sort of comedy in the trailer clicks with you. If so, definitely watch it. If not, you would probably be bugged by it. But I personally love seeing my generation being made fun of in a comedic way in this movie. All right, coming in at number 10. So we're down to the top 10. I have the Banshees of Inna Sheeran, and this recently has gotten a lot of Oscar buzz as well, and I'm excited to see how it performs at the Oscars because I think it deserves a lot of praise. This is a dark comedy, and I'm finding more and more recent, or more and more recently that I really love dark comedies. I think that other than horror, dark comedy is probably one of my favorite genres. So the quick summary of this movie, if you have not heard about it, two lifelong friends find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship with alarming consequences for both of them. It's (laughs) the movie, the storyline of this movie is literally just, there's these two guys who are friends. One is played by Colin Farrell, the other by Brendan Gleeson slash Mad-Eye Moody. And they are friends on this little Irish island and at the beginning of the movie, um, one of the characters, the Brendan Gleeson character, just decides, you know what? I don't want to be friends with you anymore. Please stay away from me. If you don't stay away from me, I'm going to do some really crazy stuff. And a lot of really crazy stuff happens. And <laughs> it's just absolutely bonkers in the best way possible. All right, number nine. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. This one made it to the number nine slot for me because it was the purest thing I have ever seen (laughs) in the movies for a long, long time. It's a perfect 90 minutes of just absolute heartwarming innocence. It's about a one-inch-tall shell who ekes out a colorful existence with his grandmother and their pet lint. (laughs) And this little shell is trying to find his family. It's a mockumentary, and it just has a lot of heartwarming messages of hope and love and family, and it's just the cutest thing ever. I really, really loved it. My personal um, viewing experience for this was... I saw it in the movies in the summer, and I was the only one in the movie theater, and I snuck in some snacks, and I was just laughing my head off alone in the movie theater. It was such a great time. (laughs) Okay, coming in at number eight, I have Don't Worry Darling. Do not bash on Don't Worry Darling, because I... Loved it. This is another movie that I did a full episode on. If you want to hear my reasons for my argument about why I think this movie is way better than so many people are saying, 
Go back and listen to it. Again, I acknowledge my Harry Styles bias in this one, but that is definitely not it. It is also just a really incredible movie. Maybe also Florence Pugh bias added in there. But the movie is just, it's so fun and so captivating and sucks you in and has great twists, multiple twists. And maybe a lot of people could see them coming. I didn't. Maybe I was dumb. But it was such a fun world that was created for this movie. And I just, I really enjoyed it. I really, truly enjoyed watching it. I went and saw it twice in the movies within one week. And then I really, really enjoyed talking about it in depth with my friends that I went to see the movie with. And then I really, really enjoyed recording a podcast about it. So don't knock, don't worry, darling, is my final say for that movie. All right, number seven, The Menu. There are too many great movies with really great endings that just would make wonderful episodes for this podcast that all came out all at once. This being one of them, maybe I will do an episode on it. I don't know. There's so many to do. The Menu is another dark comedy, so again, I'm discovering my love for dark comedies this year, apparently. The short summary for this one is a couple travels to a coastal island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. And boy, are they shocking. Okay, number one. Anya Taylor-Joy is a joy to watch. She is an impeccable actress. She's such an interesting actress. And then you have her up against Voldemort, people. Voldemort as a chef, it's basically the same character, but just in chef uniform. I loved the crap out of every single minute of this movie. Oh, it was such a delight. It was so funny. It never took itself too seriously. And that definitely would have been a big downfall for this movie if it did take itself too seriously on its like social class commentary that it was trying to convey. It did a good job while also just having fun with it at the same time. Oh, that last scene. I'm not going to do any spoilers in this episode, but if you've seen it, you know what I mean. So, so funny. Highly recommend. Okay, number six. The Wonder. This is another Florence Pugh bias coming in to bump this movie up to a higher ranking for me. This never actually came out to theaters, or at least not general release. This is a Netflix special set in the Irish Midlands in 1859 as an English nurse, Lib Wright, who is played by Florence Pugh, goes to a tiny village to observe what some see as a medical anomaly and others a miracle that a girl has survived without food for months. So this movie just... (laughs) It is a huge metaphor upon huge metaphor upon huge metaphor. It is one of those very slow burn movies that really makes you think. If you enjoy watching Florence Pugh, this is a Florence Pugh powerhouse movie. Definitely do it. This movie has a lot to say about religion and societal traditions and feminism and patriarchy and just, oh, 
it had so much to it. It's not for everyone. It's it's very heavy, so make sure you're in the right mindset to watch it. People who have um, negative experiences with religion in their lives, I think, will find a lot of insight in this movie and maybe relate to it quite a bit. All right, moving on to the top five. Number five, The Woman King. Guys, The Woman King was so amazing. I can't even put into words what an amazing, epic, movie-going experience this was. I wish that I had had the time to go and see it twice, because I absolutely would. I can't wait to see it again when it comes out on streaming. It definitely won't be the same as the movie theater experience. But, oh my gosh, what an amazing, epic movie. I'm just going to say that again. So the story of the Agoji, the all-female unit of warriors who protected the African kingdom of Dahomey, I don't know if I pronounced that right, in the 1800s with skills and a fierceness unlike anything the world has ever seen, and the general as she trains the next generation of recruits and readies them for battle against an enemy determined to destroy their way of life. (sighs) Okay, here's the thing. I know it's 2022, but I had never seen a movie that was just so empowering to see as a woman. Not because I super deeply related to any of these characters. I am not becoming a warrior anytime soon. Um, And obviously, I'm not a black woman like all the main characters. I'm not from Africa or anything like that. So it's not like I related really closely to any specifics about the characters. But it was the sole fact that we were seeing all these female characters being just complete, amazing, capable warriors. And having this epic, action-packed movie about these warriors, having them just be women was so empowering as a woman to watch it. I feel like I'm not putting it into the right words, but... This was another movie that I hope is just rewatched again and again. And I hope it really isn't one of those movies that just kind of falls away and is forgotten because whew, it it is amazing. I feel like I'm using that word amazing way too much. I just, I love all these movies. All right, coming in at number four, we've got Elvis. If you want a good laugh, or at least I thought it was hilarious... <laughs> please go back and listen to the Elvis episode that I did with my two cousins, Lily and Olivia. That was the funnest time I've ever had recording one of these episodes. They are so fun and so funny. We had a blast watching this movie and then recording about it. It is a Baz Luhrmann movie through and through. If you like Baz Luhrmann, you will like this movie. If you don't like Baz Luhrmann, you will most likely not like this movie. (laughs) But as you can probably guess from the title, this is the life story of Elvis Presley. And it has a huge Baz Luhrmann artistic spin on it, which makes it so much more fun and cinematic than just a regular old biopic. And Austin Butler, if he does not win Best Actor for playing Elvis Presley, I'm just gonna never watch the 
Oscars again. Just kidding. I will. I love the Oscars so much. <laughs> but he really needs to win Best Actor because that transformation, not just into Elvis himself, but the transformation that he goes through from young Elvis to more grown-up Elvis to middle-aged Elvis is just incredible. Okay, guys, we've made it to the top three. And surprise, surprise, two of my top three are horror films. (laughs) Number three is Barbarian. Here's the tagline. Some stay for a night, some stay for a week, some never leave. And my brain, ever since watching this, has not stopped thinking about it for too long at a time. I remember seeing the preview a couple times to this and thinking, ah, yeah, yeah, I'll see it. It looks like a decent horror. And then the preview does so well at hiding what the whole movie is actually about. The preview only gives away and prepares you for, I would say, the first fourth of the movie's storyline. And this this movie takes several huge U-turns in tone, in character, in plot, in, in the best way possible, it's almost unsettling. And then you just kind of laugh it off. It's, it's another one of those movies that does really well to balance horror and comedy. I wouldn't label it a dark comedy. It's definitely a horror at its core. But it has these hilarious moments, especially with Justin Long. If you've seen <laughs> Justin Long, Tape Measure. If you've seen this movie, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen this movie, that's not a spoiler at all. Oh, what what more can I say about this movie without spoiling anything? You really can't because, because it just takes so many unpredictable twists and turns after the first fourth of the movie that you cannot see coming. So that's all I'm going to say about it. Some people were not too thrilled about the way it ended at the very end. I I just love the whole thing. Please go and watch it. Barbarian, it was incredible. Had a lot to say. All right, number two. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Whew. I have gone back and forth so many times, guys. So many times on whether I wanted to do an Ending Explained podcast episode on this movie. And you know why I haven't yet? Because this movie cannot be touched. <laughs> This movie is so bombastic and ridiculous and lovely and gorgeous and meaningful and metaphorical and just plain silly. And I I feel like I could never do it justice. I feel like I could never do an episode analyzing this movie and feel like I did it well enough. Oh man, I'm looking at it on Letterboxd right now, and it's got a 4.4. That's pretty incredible. That might be the highest rating I've ever seen. 4.4 out of 5. Um, I rated it uh, for four and a half stars. I may bump that up to five stars. It's just so incredible. Here, Here's the summary, which really cannot tell you nearly anything about the movie because it's just so chaotic. But the basic story is... An aging Chinese immigrant is swept up in an insane adventure where she alone can save what's important to her by connecting with the lives she could have led in other universes. Okay, I go back on that. That's actually a pretty good summary. (laughs) 
But uh, what to say about this movie other than what I've already said? I went and saw it on my own at the near the beginning of the year. And honestly, while I was watching it for the first time, I was like, I don't know about this. But the more I digested it after, the more I loved it. And then I decided to see it again on my birthday in June with my husband. He took me out on this date. We were living um, in Washington at the time. Went on a date to the city of Spokane and did a bunch of things, including going to a little artsy theater uh, theater house that was showing everything everywhere all at once in June. And that was his first time seeing it. I was worried that he was not going to like it very much because it was just going to be too weird, too A24, if you know what I mean. But he absolutely loved it. We had about a 45-minute drive home from the movies after that. That was the last thing we did that night. And we just spent the entire car ride home just gushing about this movie and discussing different things and how it had so much to it, but at the same time did so well balancing all that huge craziness while also boiling down to it just being about this little family living their little lives and how to do that in the best way possible. It somehow is so nihilistic, but so hopeful at the same time, if that makes any sense. And it probably doesn't make any sense unless you've seen everything everywhere at all, all at once. If you have not seen everything everywhere all at once, what are you doing? Go watch it immediately. Everyone should see this movie. Every single person. Last in the number one spot for my personal picks of the best films that 2022 had to offer is Jordan Peele's Nope. Of course, this also was another episode that I did that came out in July that I did with Jeff. We both went to the theaters, saw it, came back home right after going to the movie theater discussed it for a good hour on the while recording, edited it, got it out, all within the course of like four or five hours. And that actually ended up being by far my most listened to episode that I have ever come out with. So thanks guys for listening to that one. It was so great to see those numbers soar and the circulation of that episode grow. It is no secret if you have listened to some of my podcast episodes before that I think that Jordan Peele is a movie god and I think he can do no wrong. (laughs) And I just absolutely, absolutely loved all three of the main movies that he has come out with and I cannot wait to see what more he does. Of course, go back to that main episode all about Nope to hear about the more deep analysis and spoilers and that sort of thing. But I'll just leave you with this one sentence summary. Residents in a lonely gulch of inland California bear witness to an uncanny, chilling discovery. Is it aliens? I don't know. Is it? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But Kiki Palmer for president, she was so absolutely hilarious. All right, should I do honorable mentions? 
Nah, I don't think I will. I'm just looking through my diary of all of the movies that I logged on my Letterboxd account throughout the year. And of course, a lot of these are movies that actually came out this year, more just rewatches. Oh, Pearl. Pearl is an honorable mention. I don't think it, I didn't like it well enough to fit it into the top 20, but it was still all right. Oh, here's one that I saw that I've seen making a lot of people's top film lists of 2022 that <laughs> I get why some people liked it. It was an incredible movie, but I just hated it so much. Okay, I'll tell you what it is. It was The Northman that came out in May of this year. Oh, man. This was the most brutal movie I've ever seen. And part of me wishes that I never saw it. And then another part of me also just appreciates the epic nature of it. It's basically a Viking Hamlet and a revenge tragedy with a twist. There's no denying that it's visually stunning. And Anya Taylor-Joy is in it and is the weird love interest of the main character, even though she's like 30 years younger than him. And then the main character's mom is played by Nicole Kidman, even though those two actors played husband and wife in Big Little Lies. So that's weird. <laughs> but this movie is icky and brutal and awful. If you could handle that, go for it. I, I, kind, I kind of wish I'd never seen it. It scarred me. It was gross. And I'm not super squeamish when it comes to gore and that sort of thing. Ugh. But this this was rough. This was rough. I walked out of the theater with just an icky feeling, unlike any feeling that I've ever gotten from any movie ever. So that's the <laughs> that's the most icky movie of 2022 honorable mention that I have seen. Alright, so that wraps up my list. I really enjoyed going through that. And thank you so much for listening. I just, I really hope that we as society continue to support movies coming out in theaters. It's honestly just kind of become a really, a really great safe place for me to go to. A really great, I don't know, can you call movie watching a hobby when it's so passive? But I guess since I have a podcast about it, it's not quite as passive. But I've just gotten into this habit of, of going and seeing matinees on the weekend by myself in a pretty empty theater and just really enjoying myself and just forgetting everything. It's a wonderful experience. I really hope that movie theaters don't go out of business. I think that they're here to stay. I think that COVID gave us a really big scare and movie theaters are still bouncing back and people are still going and that makes me so happy. So I know that the movie ticket prices are pretty high, but whenever we can afford it, let's go and support movie theaters because I don't know what I would do without that movie going experience. I love it so much. All right. Thank you so, so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. Um, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. I love being able to create this content. And this is a quick and easy way to show a little love in return. 
Till next episode, fellow movie lovers, and good luck in the new year. Thank you.